We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Katie and Kyrie are still Brooklyn Nets. They are today, July 8th, 2022. We'll see how that goes moving forward. Obviously, Nets in some summer league action as we speak right now. But, Jack, before we get into it, quick reminder, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Make sure you subscribe and give us that five-star review. But where are we starting? Let's start with the Katie and Kyrie stuff. We'll finish with the Summer League stuff. I know you've been watching that pretty closely, but we got some stuff from Windhorse and Zach Lowe, a lot of ESPN people, some Kevin Durant stuff. We'll just go all around the wings and just see how we go from it. Um, I've got this one from Nets Reddit. There's just a couple of different tidbits and points, and I'll run through them. Brian Windhorse said this, there is a gigantic gulf on what the Nets value is on Kevin Durant and what the market's willing to pay. Zach Lowe said this, Phoenix isn't only one on the wish list, they are by far number one on the wish list. Uh, Windhorse also said that the Suns aren't willing to offer four first-round picks. Uh, Windhorse said that the Nets would love to get a charcuterie board and champagne for Kyrie Irving, but I think we're heading to some spam and apple juice. Uh, he also reported that the Lakers are the only team that's in there, uh, the only team that's in there with a fight along the way. Uh, in terms of other stuff, Windhorse said, if you don't like your options in the NBA, the best thing you can do is wait. The Nets don't like their options, and I agree with Zach. Another team could get involved later on with Kyrie Irving. Zach Lowe mentions that we could see some movement with DeAndre Ayton on Sunday, which we uh, on Saturday, sorry. Um, the making of a Suns deal could be something like this, he mentioned. The Nets get Mitchell, Bridges, and Cam Johnson. The Suns get KD, and the Jazz get Simmons and Ayton. But we did also get conflicting reporting about the fact that the Nets aren't likely to trade Ben Simmons. Nick, where do you want to kick off with all of those little tidbits and such? Yeah, I guess let's start with some of the offers from Phoenix. And obviously you mentioned Winhorse saying that he doesn't think that the Suns have offered four first-round picks yet. So it doesn't seem like they're super serious. We've also heard some reporting on the Sun side that they're trying not to include Mikel Bridges. So obviously there's a major disconnect in the asking price and what the Suns are offering right now. And obviously it's Kevin Durant and he wants to go to Phoenix and that's great. But at the end of the day, the Nets need to get the right value and the right move here is just to wait it out. And if they're not going to send you the right package, you tell KD, you know, you can either suit up with us for this season or you can sit out and we can revisit it throughout the year or revisit it when the Suns are willing to throw us a real offer because if they're not trying to send an offer that has, 
you know, a t- essentially all the picks that they can send and, you know, the mediocre assets in which they're sending, then there's not even the point of really having a discussion. And again, it's great that Kevin Durant wants to go there, but if the Suns aren't willing to send an offer that's even close to par, then it really, Sean Marks should just hang up the phone. And it seems like he is. Yeah. I think all it's going to take is maybe hopefully one team getting in there, Toronto and New Orleans, to go, all right, now now let's get the, this ball rolling. It seems to me that everyone's playing the waiting game and seeing who's going to be the first to, to to knock down and go. All right, let's 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 make this offer, and then it sort of starts the market rolling. Obviously, summer league. A, a lot of reporters are speaking about the fact that you know uh, GMs will be there. They'll be chatting. There might be some more frank discussions. We did see Sean Marks was there. A lot of people looking at the fact that he was on his phone a lot. So it, it it'll be interesting to see. But it, it's a laughable offer if this is the, the where the, the Phoenix Suns do stand because. If you're Sean Marks and this offer is made, then you might as well just fire him and walk out the door because it is a truly laughable offer for one of the 10, 15 best players to ever play the game to not even get a DeAndre Ayton and all the the draft equity, especially given what we saw Rudy Gobert got as a, a look. Rudy Gobert is great, and like you mentioned on on the pod with Corey Nick, you know, top 20-ish, 15 maybe on his day, one of the best defensive players in the modern era. But we're talking about Kevin freaking Durant, yep. you like. Please, ladies and gentlemen, let's just get real with it. Are we just like forgetting what he is and what he does? I understand that he is aging and he's past his prime, but he proved when he's out there on the court that he is an MVP caliber player, one of the best players in the game, if not the best player in the game. So, look, the Suns need to get serious or someone else needs to get serious because this is a joke right now. Yeah, and I think on the Suns' part, it might be a misstep because, again, their package is not great. And if if Toronto comes in and says, hey, we're willing to offer Scotty Barnes or New Orleans comes in and says we're willing to often offer Brandon Ingram or the reported package of Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown is out there and the Suns aren't willing to send all their picks and their best player they can throw out the Nets is Mikel Bridges, who, you know, best case scenario is probably a fringe all-star player. It's not like he's, you know, a, a cornerstone piece that's leading your team to a championship. And it seems they don't have interest in DeAndre. And, and like you mentioned, Jack, DeAndre Ayton can go out and sign with the Pacers potentially this weekend because they'll open up space from the Malcolm Brogdon trade tomorrow. So again, the Suns could put themselves in a really bad spot if Ayton signs that offer sheet with the Pacers this upcoming weekend, and now the pressure's on, and then they miss out on the opportunity because, again, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Dario Saric, and Picks is not a good trade package for Kevin Durant, regardless. And even if there is... trade package for Kyrie Irving. It's not a good trade package for Ben Simmons. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're including picks, I would take it for Ben or Kyrie. But if, yeah, I'm the saying, picks yeah. with Ben. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like, and and you're you're moving Ben to Utah and DeAndre into Utah to get Donovan Mitchell. It just like the whole situation just doesn't seem ideal to deal with the Phoenix Suns. You know, obviously, again, like I've mentioned three times already on the show, that's where Katie wants to go, and that's great. But he has four years on his deal, so. That, that's on him, and I just don't think the destination of Phoenix is super likely for the Nets to get the best offer. I think if they do that, they're essentially caving to Kevin Durant and giving him what he wants on his way out rather than trying to do what's best for the organization. Toronto's second best offer, that doesn't include Scotty Barnes, is better than what the yeah. Phoenix Suns would get if it was centered around Pascal Siakam. Yeah. Can you make an argument OG Ananobi is a better player than Mikhail Bridges on his day? I think Mikhail Bridges is better, but OG, you could make a, a credible argument given he's one of the best defenders in the league and is continuing to improve on a decent contract as well. So uh, I just think that the Phoenix Suns need to get serious or other teams need to get serious. Uh, we'll discuss probably more trade packages and stuff. 
I guess I'll ask you, Nick, in terms of packages that we've seen talked about, reported teams that have been involved, I've put out you know, little tweets here and there about you know the crux of main players. We know the reports from Woj and Windhorse and everyone else at the next one, an all-star and a glut of picks or an all-star caliber player. I went on and well, I went on ESPN Radio 104.5 um, and, and talked about the fact that the, the package needs to be serious from a team here. What package intrigues you most? Obviously, we'll discuss this more probably going forward, get some listener proposals as well. But as we stand, what is it that intrigues you the most? Yeah, I think you look at Toronto, Scotty Barnes and OG. That's a great start because obviously Scotty has a lot of potential. Not sure if he'll ever be you know, a top 10 or top 15 guy, but he could definitely be a top 20 guy. And obviously... He's very young. So that's like essentially if you can maintain his happiness and keep him in Brooklyn, that's 10 years essentially of a very good player. And then, like you mentioned, OG still developing and potentially could be maybe a fringe all-star down the line. I think you look at New Orleans with Brandon Ingram, given what he's shown that he can already do in this league and his potential as a scorer of being like that real playmaker. And then also you look at Boston, who I think right now it's really unsure if Boston's still involved or if they just kind of threw that package of the first week and they kind of pulled that away. But Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart would be an intriguing duo as well. So I think those three teams off rip to me seem enticing. Other than that, I'm not sure there's a lot of offers around the league that make a lot of sense given the team that's trading for Kevin Durant still wants to contend. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Does your mind change drastically if OG Ananobi is replaced by Gary Trent Jr., which has sort of been more what I've heard from national media reporters? You know, honestly, I think if you can get the blue chip guy in Scotty Barnes and then maybe you have to take Gary Trent instead of OG and then Thad Young to make the money work and then maybe you can con, you know, Toronto out of an extra pick or two. I think that's okay because you're still getting Scotty Barnes. And as of right now, that potentially could be the best you know, player thrown at you in, in, in potential wise, obviously Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown, better players as of right now. But the, the intrigue with Scotty Barnes is he'd be a homegrown star that the fans could watch grow into this player and gives you a very long timeline if you're able to maintain his happiness in Brooklyn. 
Yeah, Scotty Barnes, Ben Simmons, it's something that I could get around for the Brooklyn Buzz for the next couple of hundred episodes. I think it'd be a, a, a lot of fun to sort of watch. But and even but, yeah. trading Ben in that scenario, if you're you know you're trading Ben again to Utah and trying to get Donovan Mitchell, I think the Donovan Mitchell and Scotty Barnes duo is intriguing. I know there's been reporting that the Nets are a little concerned with the Barnes and Simmons fit, given you know. Barnes doesn't really have a three-point shot yet, but I think he could develop that down the line. It's definitely interesting. I think there, there's just a lot of interesting things with Scotty Barnes because he's so young and he popped off so much his rookie year and, and was rookie of the year in a year in which he was supposed to be very raw and to develop in that season. So it feels like there could be even more than what we're anticipating with him. Is he the number one player asset in all of the ones that you just listed, Nick? Obviously, you can make a credible argument that Jalen Brown and Brandon Ingram are better players than him, but is Scotty Barnes ceiling higher than them in terms of all NBA caliber? I think Brandon Ingram's fringe all NBA, you know, maybe could get to a second team in his day. I, I love his skill set. I think that there's some untapped defensive abilities there too, you know, that he's shown here and there. I think Jalen Brown, if he gets his handle a little bit tight, I think is a, a really intriguing player as well and an all NBA caliber. I think all three of those guys that you mentioned as the crux. If we were to get one of those three, I'd be pretty goddamn happy with it. Um, obviously, losing Kevin Durant would make me pretty goddamn sad. But out of those three guys, Nick, is Scotty Barnes the one? I think Scotty Barnes is the one with the most, you know, long-term what he could be. Like the most exciting, like the mystery room. You know what I mean? You have three prizes. You know, the prize Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, and then you have this mystery in Scotty Barnes and what he could become. Like you said, Ingram and Brown are definitely better players right now, and they're a safe bet to be multi-time All-Stars and have potential All-NBA, you know, team teams. But again, you know, how will they look in a different situation and all that? What what is their top level potential? I'm not really sure. But the intriguing thing I think with Brandon Ingram and Jalen Brown, you could definitely argue they fit better next to Ben Simmons than Scotty Barnes does as of right now. But again, Scotty is extremely raw, and the thing with Ben uh, with Brandon. And Jalen is the fact is they don't they're not part of that special contract. So they could still play in the same team as Ben Simmons because they sign normal deals. So that I think is intriguing. And if the Nets wanted to essentially get close to I don't want to say contending, but I guess competing in the East and being, you know, a middle seed or maybe a top four seed, you know, Jalen and Brandon would bring that a lot closer than Scotty Barnes would, given that Ben Simmons is already here and you have, you know, in that situation probably two top twenty five, two top top thirty players. Yeah, Jalen Jalen Brown, twenty five years old. Brandon Ingram, only twenty four years old. You know, I think he was one of the youngest guys in his draft. Yeah, I, Brandon Ingram is, is low. I, I've I've been lucky enough to see him live. Fell enough, yeah. and he he put a forty piece on on the nets, and thankfully Kyrie Irving was able to bail us out. But there's just something about him. There's you know obviously the Kevin Durant light comparisons. You know, he's a, a massive worker. There's been a lot of like really nice pieces on him from national media, like Zach Lowe and such. So, look. If the Nets don't get one of these blue chippers, then I'm going to be pretty horrid by Sean Marks in the front and, and, and ownership. It will just show me the lack of care and the lack of desire that they have for for this to be a, a genuine like contender or a genuine, at least a, a serious enough contender. If, you, if you're getting, like you alluded to, Nick, Mikhail Bridges, Dario Saric, campaign, whoever else it is, and a glut of picks. You can't have a glut of picks as your, as the foundation to your roster going forward. Even if they're all unprotected, I don't care. You need to get a player in return for this. It just makes, and look, Mikhail Bridges upside is 
like you mentioned, fringe all-star. He's an all-defensive caliber player. Yeah. And he's probably going to be all-defense for the rest of his career. He's a, a very good defender. But even then, you know, he, he pales in comparison to the three names that we have alluded to in Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, and Scotty Barnes. And who knows? You might throw Donovan Mitchell's name in there if there's three team that sort of scenarios. But I think out of those three slash four, if you throw Mitchell in there, I think Mitchell might be at the bottom of the rung. Though, you know, because he, he forces you to trade Ben, essentially. And I think that's a big part. And that's it. If you if if you get if you have like Ingram Simmons or you have you know Barnes Mitchell, like it's interesting. We can I think it'll probably be uh, for us to discuss on future episodes to debate what is the ideal maybe one two tandem that the the Nets could sort of have. Is it is it Simmons Ingram? You know, uh, two like really big wings, talented sort of scorer. Like they can sort of un- uh, unlock each other a little bit. Jalen Brown's um, Simmons. Is it? Barnes Mitchell is it Barnes Simmons? It's it's an interesting one to sort of contemplate, Nick. But in terms of the the KD sort of stuff, I got one question for you, Jack. Before we move on, is there any amount of picks that would entice you to a point where you're like, you know what, maybe we don't need that blue chip cornerstone player? Like if the Nets were to receive ten plus picks in this scenario, no, no. I I just think that picks are unknown quantities. Mm-hmm. You look at. The Orlando Magic, the Sacramento Kings, all these teams that just have had picks on picks on picks on picks years after years. It's a at the end of the day, the draft is still a crapshoot. Unless yeah. you are getting Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, you know Paolo Benchero, not Paolo Benchero, um, Victor Webanyama next year. Unless you are getting a bone of a Luka Doncic, a, a known quantity that is just like, yep, this guy is going to be a superstar and will step into the league, win Rookie of the Year, be fringe, be an All Star, be fringe All NBA. But that is so unlikely to get. It it happens once every decade at the least. You know, it, it's just yep. it, you can't get a foundational franchise all time player in the draft very very quickly. You know, even this year's draft, people are talking about, you know, is Chet Holmgren, is Paolo Benchero, you know, is, you know, is Javari Smith or any of these guys really going to be that? And, you know, those are the top three picks that we, I've just alluded to. Whereas next year, you know, if the Nets happen to be in, the, in those sort of stakes. But I think if you have Ben Simmons on the roster, Nick, if you have Donovan Mitch, like, you're, you're not going to be bad enough to get that sort of pick. And the team that you're trading Kevin Durant to, what pick are you going to get from them? You're going to get pick 20, 25 you know, at, at the at the very best, like an 18 or something. Yeah. So it just makes no sense to have the foundation of your trade, like with the Houston Rockets with James Harden. For them, it makes sense because they they value, they didn't value Carol Severt, Jared Allen, these sort of guys. Whereas if you're the Nets, you need to value a player. You need to value someone to pair alongside Ben Simmons or Don Mitchell or whatever else it is going forward to be a relevant team because the Brooklyn Nets aren't Los Angeles Lakers. They aren't the New York Knicks. They need to maintain a sense of relevancy by being a good team. And, you know, that's us being objective. They're going to be relevant to us till the day that we die. But to be relevant and competitive, you need to have good players. And to get a good player, you need to stand firm. Yeah, I think I would be more open to the 10 draft picks or nine draft picks or seven draft pick proposal if the Nets own their own picks moving forward. You know, it's important to note that Houston has a swap in 2023. They have the first round pick to themselves in 2024. They have the swap, I believe, in 2025. So then it's just getting to a point where, like, you can't even bottom out. And, yeah, Houston could be really bad. So the swap could be essentially a few picks. But at the end of the day, it's still a risk. And like you said, unless you're moving Ben Simmons and just tearing everything down and bottoming out, I'm not sure 
how much sense that makes. I, I think for me, it's always kind of been the balance. Like I think you want to get an excessive amount of picks and you also want to get that blue chip player. And obviously the better the player, the less picks, but I think that's okay. I think in the scenario too is like, you know, in a way, if you trade with Toronto and you get OG and Scotty Barnes and you only maybe get two or three picks from them, then getting two more picks from the Lakers is is fine. Like if you're going to send Kyrie and potentially Seth or Joe over there and getting two on protected first for 2027 and 2029 when the Lakers could be one of the worst teams in the NBA could be a really smart move. So I think it's about finding the balance and finding the right combination of things. And I think that's also another thing the Nets have done pretty well is like maintaining that we're not going to really trade Kyrie until we trade Kevin Durant because we need to kind of see what we want from that package and how we can help ourselves. Yeah, look, to Sean Marks and Josiah's credit, which I haven't given them a lot of of late, you know, they're doing what is right for the team. And hopefully they continue to do that going forward. Well, we we had a few little Kyrie tidbits there, Nick, in terms of obviously the, the Lakers sort of stuff. We've heard about third teams getting involved, like a San Antonio Spurs and such. You know, when I've been asked about it before, I'm just like, look, Russell Westbrook on the Nets would not make me very happy. Let's just put it that way. I, I can be a lot more blunt and forthright than that. But in terms of Kyrie Irving's status, you know, we've heard very conflicting reports. We heard Nick Claxton today say that there's unfinished business when he was speaking to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. We've heard Scoop B say that, that it's the Lakers that are generating this interest. It seems to me that it's a one-way, sweet, one-way street between the Lakers and Kyrie Irving as the only team that's interested in him. Where do you stand with the Kyrie Irving stuff as, as of today? Yeah, I mean, there's no point in helping the Lakers unless it's going to help you. You know what I mean? Russell Westbrook has no value in this league. They've been trying to trade him essentially all summer, and there hasn't been any deal that come to, that's come to fruition. So there's no reason for the Nets to bend over for the Lakers and say, hey, we'll we'll take on whatever you give us, you know, one first-round pick or be it, you know. One first-round pick, Nick, I'll say this, and I've, I've said this uh, on other platforms. You need to attach a first-round pick to get rid of Russell, Russell Westbrook in the first place. Yeah. So you need to add an extra one or two on top of that if you're getting Kyrie Irving in return. And the, the Lakers have said to be unwilling to do that. Again, it's early days. We're playing the waiting game. It's a little bit of negotiating here and there. But you can't just – if the Nets were to give up Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook and a pick, that would be one of the worst deals – and trades in Nets history, and maybe even NBA history. Maybe that's me being hyperbolic, but Russell Westbrook is such a negative asset in in so many ways, more than one, given his contract and given his his general play. And Kyrie Irving, I think, is still a valuable asset, despite the fact, and again, that's probably us being somewhat biased given what we've seen of Kyrie Irving. I just think that the Nets need to, like you alluded to, continue to stand firm, and if they're, they're getting picks, they need to get a couple of them or... And the the talk of including a Joe Harris as a salary dump and Seth Curry as a salary dump, it's just like, why are you giving away rotation players? It just, it would be very silly to me. But, you know, the Joe Sy has said he doesn't want to have two superstars on our team anymore. So I don't know what to think about this franchise sometimes. Yeah, I think the thing with Kyrie is the problem is, is he just has no value around the league in terms of people willing to, you know, send stuff back to the Nets. And obviously, you know, Kyrie... Doesn't seem like he wants to play with the Nets. The Nets seem like they don't want Kyrie to play for them. So that kind of puts him in a weird situation where maybe if the Nets could get a pick and a swap from the Lakers, it'd be more suitable and more likely. 
But like you said, you know, if Russ isn't, the Nets don't want to take on Russ. Russ is, I think, making $10 more million than Kyrie Irving. So that would add to the luxury tax bill unless the Nets include, you know, Seth or Joe Harris in that deal. And I think the Joe Harris stuff has kind of felt like a Lakers leak, in my opinion. I think for the trade to go down, and this has been the reporting we've kind of received over the last couple of days, is a third team is going to have to get involved. You know, and there's been mentions of, you know, the Spurs potentially sucking Westbrook's contract into their cap space and sending, you know, a, a player out potentially or just taking a pick from the Lakers. The Nets creating a huge trade exception. But again, it's just like, I think the Nets might just be better off holding still on the Kyrie Irving front because, like many people have mentioned, you know, maybe a team gets desperate at the trade deadline and they're like, hey, we'll throw you a first round pick and a solid player for Kyrie rather than Russell Westbrook, who's somebody who, yeah, he's an expiring 47 million, but he's also probably not going to suit up for Brooklyn and you're, you're probably going to buy him out. Yeah. Uh, look, it's uh, how it pans out. There seems to be obviously a much less robust market for obvious reasons when it comes to Kyrie Irving. So who, who knows how that does all, all pan out. Nick, in terms of stuff, and Kevin Durant also, we heard from Chris Haynes, has gone, quote, dark mode. I, I wrote incognito mode on our, <laughs> uh, on our uh, Google Doc. Does that mean anything to you? You know, we've, we've heard conflicting things from John Holland just saying that he hasn't been speaking to his agent, Rich Kleinman. But we've heard the fact that he's been speaking to Nick Claxton, apparently. Like, where, I don't know. How do we make sense of all this? Yeah, it sounds like Chris Haynes' report came from Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant probably called Dame and... Uh, I mean, yeah, Dame probably called Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant probably didn't respond. So Chris Haynes is reporting this. This That would honestly be my guess in the whole scenario because I don't think he's been incognito. He obviously, we saw him playing in a pickup game not too long ago in L.A. He was out in L.A. Kyrie like, was there as well, I think, yeah, as well. Kyrie was there as well. And obviously we know that he's talked to Claxton and potentially some other people. So maybe he's a little bit more quiet than normal, but still I I'm not really looking a ton into it. I'm not sure what we really expected. I didn't expect KD to be like, you know, texting everybody in the league and saying like, tell your team to trade for me. You know what I mean? So it, it seems again, based off the reporting that he truly wants to go to Phoenix. So if that's the case, it would make sense for him not to, you know, try to invite on other players to try to attract them to his team, to their team. Yeah. Look, I just, uh, a lot of stuff is just being murmured around and stuff. And, and KD is just that sort of guy. It's just like, all right, well, reporters will say certain things. And look, we've heard, I've I've said that I just want like just everyone to get in a room and just see what yeah. could happen. Like just, just get Joe side, just get Sean Marks, just get on a zoom call, get, get on a Skype, Nick, you know, we, we're, we're big fans of Skype here on the, on the Brooklyn buzz and the blue wire network. We use it to, to do our recordings and such. It just seems to me that everyone's sort of doing their thing on the side and just doing like, all right, well, I don't really need to respond to you. Why do I need to talk to you? Why do I need to talk to you? And that that's quote is going dark. But I think it's interesting if Katie and, and, and Rich aren't on you know good terms. I don't know what, what that would mean or pertain to going forward. But it just seems to me that if I'm thinking of what Kevin Durant's mindset is right now, he wants to go play with Book. It's as simple as that. Yeah. He wants to go to Phoenix. He wants to play with a guy he has a high amount of respect for when it comes to the style of game, you know, play with Chris Paul, be in Phoenix, Arizona, a, a cool market, nice weather, all those sort of things, uh, and, and a contending team uh, at the same time. So he's just like, Rich, you get it done. I don't really have anything else to say. I'm going to be hanging out in LA uh, with some of my guys. I'll you know, have, maybe head to Summer League or whatever. But we did see a lot of the Nets guys go to Summer League. It wasn't KD and Kyrie, obviously. But yeah, it's... It, it, I, I don't think it means a lot, but 
you know, it's it's something at the at the least. Yeah, I think we don't really know how true it is. I think that's why I can't really look that deep into it because obviously, like I said, Chris Haynes, you know, some of this reporting has been kind of spotty on some of this stuff in terms of, you know, how it's kind of gone. And obviously, we've seen Katie talk to other people, so I don't know how how silent or dark he really is right now, given that there's obvious communications on other fronts. And John Hollinger reporting that Katie hasn't talked to Rich Kleiman. I just wonder how, you know, John Hollinger would get that information given I'm not sure his relationship with Kleiman or KD is very high. No, I don't think it would be with KD. It would have to be with Rich or the agency or someone, secondhand information. That, yeah, that sounds like second or thirdhand information where I'm just like, I don't know how much I buy into it, especially like why why would KD not be talking to Rich Kleiman? Yeah, it's just we sort of when we look at information, we process things by okay, Woj, Sean Marks, Josiah, front office, Shams, players, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, agents, clutch, whatever. And Mark Stein seems to be somewhat of like a a guy in the middle. I'm not really sure where his sources are, but he is a very credible reporter. And we'll get to some of his little tidbits that were reported a couple of days ago. And then there's other guys in between where it's just like guys reporting second information. Win Horse and Low obviously get their information from from different sources that are credible. Given some circumstances, you know, Brian Windhorse was the guy that reported that Nick Claxton would likely be coming back, and that happened basically the next day. So when it comes to some of the net stuff. Windy can be hit and miss, but when he hits, he hits. So you just take everything with a with a grain of salt, and ultimately, you know, we're all we're, we're grasping it. We're everybody's re- leaking for a reason. Yeah, exactly. It's trying to gain some sort of leverage and in, in, in everything in that sort of sense. But Nixon, a few little tidbits from Mark Stein. He reiterated a lot of the Lakers stuff. He thinks that that is going to happen. That Kyrie Irving will end up in uh, with the Lakers. So I think that the that Rob Palenka, Genie Bust, they're going to have increased motivation uh, once the KD stuff gets done. That's not going to surprise me whatsoever. And but there's been stuff, a lot of rumblings that LeBron is applying pressure on the Lakers front office. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that that's not going to be a surprise either. Um, so we'll probably see that happen at some point in time. Uh, Mark Stein was quick to shut down a Katie return to Golden State. So obviously, but it'd be interesting to see if Golden State were willing to get involved just to ha- to increase the market and to increase negotiations from other teams and stuff. I don't think that that would be horrible. Not that I would want that deal. And I said that when I went on um, you know, the ESPN radio and had a chat about it. He said, he says Toronto should heavily weigh giving up the farm for KD since he has four years left on the deal. Also said the Nets are expecting a gargantuan monster haul for Kevin Durant. And he said that there isn't a full grasp of what the Durant packages are. So some things that are sort of, you know, reiterating what we've already said. But interesting to see that, like, he, Mark Stein is is one that I sort of listen to a, a little bit more because he's got a, a, a grasp on a lot of stuff around the NBA when it comes to, to trade stuff and, and, and free agency rumors. Yeah, he's a seasoned vet. He's been doing this for a long time. Yeah, so obviously you kind of listen to some of the stuff he said and kind of, again, every leak is there for a reason, but Stein is usually probably connecting the dots from multiple sources and trying to get to that point. Again, I think if the Nets do trade KD, which seems very likely, that they'll end up probably taking a lesser value deal for Kyrie just because they want to get him out of Brooklyn and just move on to the next chapter. So I think you could always see the Nets potentially taking a lesser package in that scenario, but who really knows and how they're going to handle it. And again, you know, it's also been reported a lot lately and obviously this could be a leverage leak, but the Nets are open to the idea of KD and Kyrie coming back for training camp and then pushing this into another season. And I think also, 
if you're Josiah and you're Sean Marks and you really want to get these guys out of here, you could probably deal with one more season of those two and then look to the upcoming offseason and maybe approach that a little bit better or potentially take a lesser deal for Kevin Durant because he's a year older and a year less on his contract. So I think the the Nets haven't really shut any doors yet. But like you said, if those two did end up suiting up for Brooklyn or coming to training camp, it could be a nasty situation because these guys haven't talked. And I think the most important thing right now would be like, you know, maybe we should all just get together and see what's going on because the best situation for all four of us could be in Brooklyn. I honestly think that if, unless uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's best chance is to win, you know, the team that the Nets do currently have, you know, adding TJ Murray, added and add Edmund Sumner, and hopefully maybe another piece. Nick Claxton's back. Royce you know, O'Neal. Joe, Royce O'Neal, Bruce Brown, uh, Bruce Brown on the way out, but Joe Harris hopefully back. And we've heard from Zach Lowe that he's health, he's healthy and his ankle is feeling good. The, the Nets have a good team, and I, I think a championship contending team. And I think Phoenix is the only other team that could rival that. You know, I think Toronto, you know, with with Pascal Siakam, Fred VanVleet would be similar. But I honestly do think KD and Kyrie together with the role players around them is a pretty goddamn good team. And you've got a rotation, you know, eight, eight ish or, or so deep. Uh, I just think that the, 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 it, there needs to be a sense of like, man, maybe we, let's all just take a step back here. But like you've alluded to, Nick, I think we try to focus on like, what is it that all parties want? Joe Sy has said, and he leaked to Brian Winhorst specifically, that he would rather get rid of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant than deal with what happened last season, which is shocking again. And I, I, I just, I still can't fathom that. So that means that he has a desire to get rid of them as much as Katie has a desire to leave. And Katie's desire to leave seems pretty high. And his desire to get to Phoenix seems very high. Kyrie's desire to get to Los Angeles seems high-ish. Uh, it seems to me the reporting about Kyrie seems to be you know, a little bit conflicting in, in some sources here and there. So, And I think for the Sean Marks, he probably just wants more control back. You know, he's probably just been kind of, you know, giving them the keys and kind of letting them do a little bit more than he's wanted. And he probably wants to get back to doing the things that made him, quote unquote, great in terms of rebuilding the Nets. Not to say that Sean Marks, you know, deserves to be that or should have that type of role in terms of leading the ship and, you know, pushing the stars out. But I'm just saying that that in my eyes could be his interest, because, again, it's four egos. Yeah, do you honestly believe the reports and they seem to come specifically from Woj, which means Sean Marks is the one leaking them or Joe Sy about letting this go into training camp and letting this really extend uh, into the, the deep parts of the, of the off season. So I would say I do believe it in the sense of like Joe Sy has shown to be stubborn and Sean Marks, I guess too, given how we saw that Kyrie Irving situation unfold. You know, if they weren't stubborn, they probably would have come to an agreement. Kyrie would be sued up in Brooklyn. Katie probably doesn't request a trade this season, maybe an upcoming year or something like that. So in my eyes, I would hope that they're just as stubborn for getting the correct package of value back for these players, more so in the Kevin Durant situation. Again, I think if you trade KD and then you got to move Kyrie for something you don't love, you probably do it. But I think you need to be stubborn when you're trading a player of Kevin Durant's caliber. And like you said, the Nets need to set themselves up for the next five to 10 years with whatever trade they make. Yeah, if you're being steadfast and, and controlling about letting these guys go, then you need to have a sense of the same principles about getting requisite value in return. Yeah. Because it, you can't just be like, look, I don't want to deal with this shit anymore. 
give me Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, campaign, whatever it is, and we'll take Russell Westbrook. We're like, just let me be done with this. If that were Joe Sy, then sell the goddamn team. Like, yeah. honestly. I think or you could have done it a week ago if that was really the case. Exactly. And I think Nets fans would be I Look, uh, there's some people that seem to be showing a, a, a vehement support to Joe Sy. I, I totally disagree with it. I've had mixed feelings about Sean Marks and Joe Sy, especially over the last couple of weeks. But and I've had you know frustration with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving as well. This just seems to be just high levels of frustration and just anxiety as as Nets fans for for two goddamn years. But ultimately, this is just it, we're gonna have to just see how it pans out. We'll we'll continue to be reporting and talking about what Windhorse drops, what Low drops, what podcasts say things, what ESPN says, what Charms drops, what Mark Steins drops, and you know. But there was some summer league stuff, Nick. Unless you had any final thoughts about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but a lot of it seems to me just the same sort of stuff. But you know, we'll get into maybe more packages and some fun trade machine stuff going forward as as I head back to work and and I'll be recording on some of the afternoons. But yeah, what are your thoughts? I guess any any final thoughts before we move on to some of your summer league takeaways? Yeah, I think like you said, Jack, it's been somewhat repetitive. Um, obviously the Nets aren't getting packages they like. They're going to kind of hold out until they get one. We'll see what kind of unfolds with this whole situation. I think you did hint at one thing. Obviously, Zach Lowe said that Joe Harris's ankle is feeling good. My assumption on that is Joe Harris has been on the Zach Lowe podcast before. He probably heard that directly from Joe Harris, which is a good sign. And I think it means probably that the Nets aren't trying to dump his salary as much as L.A. reporters have been reporting. So I think that's just another thing to kind of keep an eye on. And I also think that Joe Harris has strong ties to Sean Marks. Yeah. You know, when the James Harden side in the Nets, going, quote unquote, culture. Yeah, and the Nets culture, all the sort of you know the X's and those behind the scenes sort of thing. When James Harden, that whole saga was going on, we heard reports that it was Joe Harris and Sean Marks confronted James Harden. It's like, wait, Joe Harris is like, mm-hmm. look, all right, cool, like do your thing, Joe. Um, but yeah, so. That's good to hear. Hopefully we we have a healthy season from Joe Harris and he gets back to his fitness best. But Nick, what did you see from, from Summer League? Let's get to some actual B-ball talk. Yeah, I mean, we can kind of go through the list. I think, um, obviously, Cam Thomas started the game a little bit slow but ended up dropping 17 in the fourth quarter, almost made the comeback for the Nets. I think you're still looking for some things from Cam. You want to see him be more comfortable pulling the trigger on catch and shoot three opportunities. You want to see him making the right passes, maybe not forcing as many of these bad shots. And I think sometimes I think he needs to understand that he's such a talented player that he needs to make life easier for some of his lesser teammates, especially guys that can't create. And sometimes that means kind of running the show a little bit more and not necessarily, you know, aiming to score, but rather putting your teammate in a position to do that. And I think that'd be the next level of growth, especially since we don't know what's expected to happen with, you know, Cam, with all this, the Nets trades and Kyrie and KD, like he could have a big role in terms of creation next year for this team. And I think that'd be an area I'd really look for him to develop in summer league. Yeah, we saw glimpses and moments of it throughout, you know, not just last year's regular season, but in, in last year's summer league as well. Some of his you know, pick and roll chops with Daron Sharp and, and and little passes here and there, a bit more composure, a bit more control rather than sort of just like gunner, gunner, gunner mentality. And and, and that, that's what Cam is good at. But Summer League, I would like to see, you know, for all of these guys, you know, opportunities to explore areas that they haven't necessarily explored before. You know, Desmond Bain was sort of running the show for Memphis, yep. you know, last year in a way that he hasn't done you know, before and you know he brought that into the regular season and had an incredible year for Memphis. So I want guy, uh, I want you know whether it's Day, whether it's Kess, 
um, or, or other guys, you know, along to, um, all those sort of other guys that we've sort of spoken about, you know, to explore areas that they could you know, improve on rather than just sort of, you know, doing what they do best already. Because we know what they do best and you don't need to show that against, you know, summer league guys. You need to explore things that you might not have the, the greatest proficiencies in. Yeah, like you said, Cam's good at scoring. He dropped 31 and 11 and 23, 1 of 6 from 3, 8 of 12 from the free throw line. I do like the 12 free throw attempts and attacking the rim a bit. But again, he only finished with two assists. Now, some of that's teammates missing shots, but I think he could have created a little bit more in some of these situations. I guess looking at some of the other sophomores playing, uh, Daron Sharp, I felt like overall was solid. You know, it wasn't like groundbreaking. I think, again, being a big man that doesn't necessarily have creation skills, He's not going to really stuff the stat sheet. He did finish with eight points and 10 rebounds, did have one block and three steals. Defensively, still kind of a mixed bag. I think you like to see more more consistency from him on that end. But there were still plays where you see improvement, too. So, again, it's summer league, so everything's kind of a grain of salt. But with the young guys, you're just looking for those specific skills to improve. And I think for Dayron, it's the defense. Like, that's what he needs to be better at if he wants to be on the floor, given how important that role is for this team. And, you know, there is hope that he could develop the three-point shot, but that's not something I'd magically expect to appear in one season or two seasons. That's kind of a few seasons down the line. Yeah, and as of right now, Darren Sharp is our backup center. You know, yeah. it's Nick Claxton and it's Darren Sharp as the, the centers on our roster. So, and and I think that with, with with Sharp, obviously, and I think with the first game, you take things with a grain of salt because yep. a lot of these guys haven't played, you know, organized basketball. They've probably played, you know, a few pickups here and there. And, and no true against- point guard. No, exactly. So, you know, that's where Darren Sharp works best. You know, obviously he's doing his rebounding, but yeah, keeping an eye on as the, the games go forward, are they showing progress in terms of areas that we're looking to to see them show some growth in? Yeah, I agree. And I think looking at Kessler Edwards, definitely not the best showing for Kess. I think obviously you're looking for him to polish his offensive game and get more consistent from three and just overall look more comfortable with the basketball. That's handling. That's just having the ball in his hands and making a decision. I think at times he can look very timid defensively hit or miss. It wasn't necessarily a lockdown game from him, but not anything where I was like, Oh man, that was terrible, but still only finished with five points, one of six from the field, one of three from three. And He's also a guy I think would benefit from playing with more good players or more creators because his best skill is not creating for himself. He's more so going to do something on the catch and shoot or maybe being, uh, you know, chased off the line and having to, you know, pull up from mid range or hit a layup or whatever it is. But overall, not not the best showing from Kess. Obviously, still multiple games to play and see how he kind of expands from there. Good to see that he did re-sign as well. Yeah, got the got the a little extension there, so that was positive. So we'll see how Kess goes going forward, and you know it, it'll be interesting to see like what is Kess Edwards' ceiling? Is it like you know catch and shoot sort of Jake Crowder style, or is it you know more three and D and a little bit more like a, a yeah. Mikael Bridges sort of type? So you know Kessler, I'm not saying Kessler Edwards turning into Jake Crowder would be fantastic for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and he's already shown plenty, but obviously Kess does show better when he's uh, alongside some of the the superstars. He fits better in in a sort of system style of play. But having confidence with the ball in his hands, you know, increased game awareness, B-ball IQ, those sort of things. That's what some league is going to be about for him. Yeah, I think the instincts need to get better. You know, just look more the part out there and being less hesitant and less thinking and just kind of going. A guy who looked like he's taken that next step from a confidence level and even some of the skills improving was David Duke Jr. Dropped 22, 8 of 17 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3, 3 of 3 from the free throw line, 3 assists, 3 rebounds, did have a steal, played tenacious defense, a lot of hustle out there. And when someone needed to do something when the shot clock was dwindling or the offense was getting stagnant, 
he would try to do something. And that's not really his best role, but getting back to what you were saying earlier, Jack, is like you want to see these guys kind of expand their game. I think for David Duke Jr., he's willing to kind of take that challenge, and he's looking to improve and showcase what he can do in terms of being an NBA player. Again, the most important thing for him is getting a consistent three-point shot. It's great to see, though, that he took nine threes. That tells me that he's feeling confident, and he most likely put in work throughout the season and over the last month or two. Yeah, three of nine is better than all of two for me. Or, yeah. or one of two. Like, you know, it, it shows me that he doesn't really care about, you know, the the, the numbers, but he's going to let it fly. He's confident in his in his mechanics. He's confident in, in, in letting it fly. So that that's a, a really positive thing from DDJ. And also, you know, he's we spoke to Chris Mulholland a little bit about, you know, some of these guys, you know, on the podcast with him. You can you guys can check out that episode um, in, in the archives. But he was sort of mentioning, you know, is DDJ going to be fighting for a real contract? Is he going to be fighting for a two-way contract? So you know that he's going to be leaving it out there on the floor. He's going to be letting it absolutely fly. He's going to be showing off his best skills to to really prove himself to Sean Marks in the front office that, you know, hey, I want to be a Brooklyn Net. Give me a real contract. Give me a two-way contract. I'm here. Watch me. Yeah, I think he's really fighting for that real contract. He wants to prove he's a rotation player, and the body type is there for him. You know, he he fits the role. He understands that he's going to be a role player and need to make those energy plays and just be tenacious defensively. One of the first possessions of the game, he just kind of, you know, hung around and was able to get a steal on the inbound pass. Like, those type of things can be the difference, you know, getting you in the NBA or being a two-way guy. So I'm interested to see how David Duke Jr. plays throughout the rest of the summer league. Um, Raekwon Gray, you know, I talk about him a little bit, obviously I'm not looking for a ton. He's still, I think a G league player, maybe potentially has a shot at that two way spot, but big body type, obviously six, eight, two seventy, can handle the ball, can play, make little versatility defensively. Three point shot look better was two of three from three. And really is just like physically imposing a couple of times. He just moved bodies with his shoulder or his forearm. So Interesting with him, I think he's more of a long-term project. And just quickly, Donovan Williams played five minutes, but had a kind of an electric layup and knocked down a three. You know, long, lanky, athletic, explosive player, six six, a little versatility. Like he could be an intriguing guy for that two-way spot as well. Hopefully, we get to see him more than five minutes for the rest of summer league, though. Yeah, hopefully he gets to the chance to showcase himself a little bit. He sounds like a little bit of an Edmund Sumner type, given what we sort of chatted a little bit about with Corey, given his size, given his athleticism, given his, you know, he's obviously improving with that three-point shot, but, you know, just the, the intangibles are, are exciting for, for Nets fans. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, the rest of the guys, nothing really stuck out to me that I think it's worth discussing. And, obviously, the Nets lost his game 90-94. I think you, you want to see more dominance from, you know, the the real quote-unquote NBA players or the guys with NBA experience. But really, if you look at the plus-minus, all the starters were in the plus and the entire bench was in the minus. So obviously that's going to have an impact. I think, again, getting to, to Cam, I think he needs to probably do a better job of making life easier for everyone and be that, that leader and really see him take on some of those creation skills because I think it's something he's more so capable of, but he just kind of has that scoring mentality, which isn't bad, but I think there could be more to his game, and I think that allow him to be a more valuable player. I put out a tweet before the game discussing it with somebody. is like I think the biggest level of growth for Cam Thomas for this upcoming season is making his teammates lives easier, you know, making them better players. And that's on ball with his creation, but that's off ball being a threat and knocking down catch and shoot threes and moving to the right spots and kind of relieving guys when they're getting double teamed. So cam Thomas, I think can do enough in the next game or two to not play the entire summer league. But at the same time, you could see how reps would benefit him. Definitely. And one final tidbit I mentioned, Nick Claxton was there wearing a, 
an old school New Jersey Nets team. You know, we spoke about some of the comments that he had in relation to Katie and Kyrie. Royce O'Neal also there. And Ben Simmons alongside yeah. his partner, Maya Jammer. So uh, a, a few of the Nets of new and old uh, are hanging around there at Summer League supporting the squad. Yeah, it seems less likely that Ben Simmons is traded given he's at Summer League. And like you hinted at earlier in the show, Jack, we did have the report that the Nets are unlikely to move Ben. So I don't think the ideal scenario is them moving Ben to Utah for Donovan. I think it's something they consider if they get to that point, but I don't think it's something that's their preferred you know, move. No, exactly. So uh, then again, unlikely doesn't mean impossible. So we'll, yeah, we'll I take, mean, take everything with a grain of salt and see how it pans out. Who thought KD would be requesting a trade uh, summer after he signed yeah. uh, an extension? So obviously a lot has uh, gone wrong and the NBA is completely unpredictable, but we'll be here breaking it down like we always do. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms.